What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Blair Silverberg, who's a co-founder of Capital. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to have you on and learn more about Capital. Um, for people that haven't heard of Capital, your company, can you kind of describe what is Capital? What are you working on? Yeah, sure. So we've built an AI-driven marketplace that makes uh, access to institutional capital more efficient for companies. Not just efficient, but fair, data-driven. Uh, I was a venture capitalist for a number of years in Silicon Valley uh, at a firm called Draper Fisher Jurvetson. For anybody who spends their time in the private markets and knows how the private markets work, they're incredibly important, but they're incredibly opaque. So we help companies figure them out and raise the optimal kinds of capital. Okay, so I'm gonna have tons of questions because you're pretty much have a ton of founders listening to this, which are like, oh my gosh, how do I how do I get into this, right? So um, I'm gonna ask questions almost from the founder perspective here. So sure. um, so right now, if if someone wanted to raise money, um, in general, let's say like a, a just a, st- a standard founder, they would try to get warm intros, they try to network in, they try to like play play the game, get their pitch ready, and kind of go through this kind of process until they get hot, raise money, and and then hopefully raise money, right? And this is a very you know, this is not, this is, uh, I don't love the process. I think it'd be improved upon a lot. Um, what, if someone was to use capital, can you kind of walk through like, like what's the user experience with your platform and, and how should founders think about fundraising with you in the mix? Yeah, there's two. So there's two pieces to the successful fundraise. There's knowing what your metrics are and where you fit in quantifiably. And those are just facts. Those are literally financial facts. Like a company can be in the 83rd percentile of sales and marketing efficiency. There's nothing you can do to change that. It's just a fact. Then there's telling your story. And so, so much of raising capital today is focused on the qualitative aspects, telling your story, finding people who are going to get this without really focusing on the financial facts because they're very hard to accumulate. And so what we do is we start with the facts. So three quarters of companies, uh, including companies that are totally offline, like oil and gas companies, three quarters of companies, including those, are running their businesses day to day with online systems of record. So your accounting system's online, you process payments, you're using something like Stripe or Chase Payment Tech, that's online. Your bank accounts are online. Salesforce is online. Every financial fact in your business is online. So we help companies analyze all of that data and present their business in context so they understand exactly where they fit in. How efficient are they from a sales and marketing perspective? We even do things like automatically project how a business is likely to to evolve in the future, which is something that investors do. They create this thing called a three-statement model. They're creating projections. They're trying to say like, hey, how's this business going to shake up? We give you a totally automated version of that. 
once the facts are clear, then raising capital is actually quite easy because you can always tell a story around the facts. If you're in the top, you know, 1% of sales and marketing efficiency, the story is I'm in the top 1% of sales and marketing efficiency. You know, take a meeting, listen, listen to me. This is incredibly impressive. The facts in my business, what I've done, you know, if the facts in the business are poor in sales and marketing efficiency, let's say you're very early, you're spending a lot of money in R&D, that's actually your story. Hey, we're totally heads down in R&D right now. We're building some amazing technology. Let me demo the product. Let me show you which customers love this thing. Um, so if you can get the facts clear, the story tells itself. It really does, but it's amazing. I mean, for the thousands of entrepreneurs that I've met as a venture capitalist, it's amazing how often the facts are muddled and how hard it is to tell the story. And being an entrepreneur myself, I totally get this. I mean, in the early days of capital, before we had built capital, our facts too were muddled and it can be quite hard to tell the story, but, um, but that's no longer, no longer the case. So, you know, I'm, I'm really curious now, based on, you said you were a VC, you know, at, at a great VC firm. Tell me about the origin story here. How'd you go from, you know, being a venture capitalist at a great firm to solving this massive problem you know and i did like this is this is a problem i think about a lot and it is massive um uh, uh tell me the or about the origin story for capital yeah i mean when you when you start a company and i'm sure your listeners will will um this will resonate with them it can feel like so many pieces of your life align and come together and you're just kind of doing this thing that you were destined to do so that the origin story really has a couple pieces i mean first i've been investing uh, since I got bar business money when I was 13 years old. So I've been an investor my whole life. When I was a, a kid, I'd be reading like Benjamin Graham's Intelligent Investor in the back of my you know, ninth grade classroom. Like I'm just, I love investing. It was very natural for me to become a venture capitalist. Um, I also am a trained engineer. So I was, I was, uh, I studied product design at Stanford with a guy named David Kelly, who founded a very well-known design firm called IDEO. And I've always had this mix of thinking about investing and then thinking about the process of investing. And so when I was at DFJ, um, you know, I was looking at companies day in, day out, like literally meeting thousands of people for coffee. And all I really wanted to do as an investor, all I wanted to do was know what the facts on the ground were so that I could say, so I could, I could ask the right questions. It doesn't mean there's a, a good or bad company, but you know, like I was saying before, if, if a company is in pure R&D mode and there is no revenue, it's all about why is this product going to fit? If a company has real revenue, what, what so many investors get wrong is they're trying to ask, like, why is this going to work? And what you should do as a founder, you should be like, it is working. <laughs> you may not understand my product. Like, if my product is for women and you are a man, you may not understand my product. But I have a lot of customers. It is working. Here are the facts. So I just wish as an investor that I could more efficiently get to those facts. And then it just so happens that, you know, companies were wishing that they could more efficiently get me to the facts. Um, so that was a big part of the story. The other part of the story, I was, I was um, working very closely with Steve Jurvetson at DFJ, who's, who's our largest investor today and a, a very close friend of mine um, and an advisor. And we were making AI investments. We backed a bunch of companies. One was a company called Nirvana Systems. It got sold to Intel. It became Intel's entire 2000 person AI division. And I was looking like at the facts on the ground with these AI companies. And there were a couple of interesting patterns. Like number one, if data started in a spreadsheet, like if data started its life in a table, that data was a great candidate for reinvention by AI. And, you know, we were backing self-driving car companies and all sorts of things that were, were just technically riskier. 
Turns out financial data basically is spreadsheet data. People get paid millions of dollars to analyze this data, whether that's on the company or the investor side. So there's just a lot of technical low-hanging fruit. And if you fast forward to what we've done today, I mean, artificial intelligence is a huge part of how we're able to understand businesses. All kinds of businesses, over 220 industries, you know, in capital, we've 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 been able to analyze um, in a very systematic way. And so these two things really combine um, for this to be a, a company that I was I was very excited to found. So if, if a founder is listening to this, and I know many are, um, how should they think about themselves in relation to capital? Let's say let's say I, I am a I, I just got an idea yesterday. I'm like great. I got an idea. Let's go to capital and, and raise some money. Versus, I've been working on a, an idea, on a company for two years. We're a million ARR. Um, let's go to capital to raise. I guess what's your sweet spot for company that you want to work with? Because I'm sure you're you know I'm sure there's a point where it might be too early, or is there? Like, how do you kind of think about your sweet spot? Yeah, I mean, the sweet spot is exactly that, like a million dollars of ARR or more going all the way up to hundreds of millions of dollars. And we have public companies that have used capital. So some very, very successful private companies um, whose, whose names are incredibly well known. Um, I think the important, the important thing to realize is when your business has some revenue, it's fundamentally more complicated. You're not just spending money to build something, which is a pretty simple exercise. In the early days, you're just spending money on salaries. There's not a lot that, of, of the story that the data can tell other than establishing the facts and, you know, you being able to say, Hey, I got to tell the story about what I'm building and why it's important. Um, we can help those companies understand how their expenses look and, you know, basically help them think through uh, early stage venture financing. But for companies that have a million dollars or more of revenue, that's where the business is complicated. Usually there's some part of the business that's really efficient. There's another part that's not as efficient. You're trying to figure out how much money do I put into this sales and marketing strategy or this product line versus that product line? How do I do pricing? I mean, there are a million analytical questions and we have a whole team of quants that come from places like Two Sigma and AQR and Credit Suisse. And, you know, if you as a company have a quant team or a data science team, you likely use them to help you build a great product. You're not deploying them on your internal financials. And so we just bring a lot of analytics and machine learning to bear to understand companies. Um, but yeah, once you once you have a million dollars of revenue or more, your business is more complicated, we can be more helpful, but we we work with all sorts of companies. And by the way, our analytics are free. So there's no downside to coming to capital, even if you're very early stage and looking at what the analytics show. And just one more question on the um, on ultimately how it works, then we'll go big vision. Uh, big vision. Um, so the analytics, so I'm, I'm a company, right? I'm making a little money. You know, if I wanted to go to capital, what would be um, like, what would be the analytics I could plug into? What's an example of the product, um, you know, of like, what could someone expect if they were early stage wanting to plug into the, into the, uh, the analytics part? Yeah. So we'll show you LTV to CAC. We'll show you customer segmentation. We'll show you what there's very common concepts like magic number which are aggregated. And what a magic number as a concept is trying to say is, hey, when I invest a dollar in sales and marketing, how many dollars do I get back on a gross margin basis? We do that in a million different ways. We slice magic number by cohort, by individual customer, by groups of customers. And so you can really pull apart your business and understand what parts of the business are hyper-efficient and working best. And the first thing you do with that information is you make internal capital allocation decisions. 
you say, okay, I'm going to spend money on these ads versus those ads, or I'm going to deprioritize acquiring a bunch of customers in this, you know, geo that just aren't as efficient right now, reinvesting your money into your profitable core is the most important thing you can do to build a great business. The second thing, the second need that comes up is, okay, I got something that's working. I need more money. That's where fundraising comes in. And so we directly invest in companies. Uh, we have a whole variety of structures. There's, there's a bunch of news that's going to be coming out over the course of the next month about how we do what we do on the capital side. Um, but we have capital availability in the tens of billions of dollars um, that, that gets deployed directly into businesses with quite a bit of flexibility. And so you can really, as a business, think about the capital side as kayak for capital. You come in, there's always more than one option. There's fine print. We help you figure out what the difference between options is, fine print included, um, and really help companies make the best choices. And routinely, we're helping companies immediately return tens of millions of dollars to shareholders by choosing better options without taking on too much risk. And I think that's a critical point for people. The global financial markets, the global capital markets, they exist for a reason. There's no single form of capital that's better for you categorically. Depending on your situation, there's typically a couple options. Even when you get a mortgage, the bank gives you five or six options. So don't ever be fooled by someone saying, hey, my form of capital is the best. You really need to think through your options, find the best ones. And that's exactly what we help companies do. And then going to the, the big picture here, if you were to look out 5, 10, 15, 20 years, as far as you want to lurk, look, what would you say um, you know, capital looks like then? Or, or in other words, what's the big vision here and what direction are you rowing in with the company? Yeah, I mean, so our the reason we wake up every morning and do this is we really believe that it's in society's best interest to democratize access to capital, to better match capital with the facts on the ground and businesses. And what do those two things really mean? First, if you have a business that's working, you should be able to access capital. You shouldn't have to also, it's hard enough to build a business that's working. You shouldn't have to also have gone to college with the right people and be a member of the right country club and have the right friends on Twitter. I mean, that is ridiculous that that is an additional barrier <laughs> to raising capital today. I think we would all agree that easier access to capital for businesses that are working is a good thing. The second piece, allocating capital to the facts on the ground in businesses. So we all know the horror stories of businesses that shouldn't have gotten as much capital as they did. We can name names like WeWork <laughs> or Theranos. Um, there's a bunch of other businesses that you know maybe um, uh, are, are heading down that path but there's always some financial folly. A company got funded with too much money relative to what they did. And I think the important thing to realize here is that when that happens, that's society burning capital, just lighting it on fire by sticking it into the wrong projects. That's you know your grandmother's 401k money uh, burning up in a, you know, a cloud of smoke. As a society, we get really, uh, we get enormous benefits from investing capital in the right things in the form of decreased poverty, increased literacy, all the stuff that the Gates Foundation writes about the world becoming a better place is a function of us efficiently allocating society's capital to the right projects and the right innovations that actually make the world better and more efficient. So we're nowhere close to our potential there. No one has any idea 
if GDP can't grow at 4% per year, we know it's growing at, you know, about 2% per year. What is that Delta? We do know, we do know that the economy creates amazing benefits, whether it's American dream or the Chinese miracle, you know, lifting almost 800 million people out of poverty, but could that have been 1 billion people out of poverty? Can the same thing happen, you know, all over the United States, even let alone the developing world right now, no one actually knows the answer to that, but the answer lies in efficiently allocating our capital to the right projects and not to the wrong projects. And that really comes back to transparency and analytics and understanding the facts on the ground and removing bias from the system. I am 110,000% with that vision. Um, and so are the listeners. And the thing is, you'll need some help to make it happen, right? It's a big vision. And then you need help to make a startup work. So my question for you is, how can the forward-thinking founders community help? Are you hiring? Are you raising money? Are you looking for employees or startups to work with? You know, How can we assist you make the vision happen? That is that is a great question. So we are always hiring. I mean, <laughs> over the last few weeks, we've been adding between five and 10 people to the company per week. And so, yeah, if you hear this vision and you're like, gosh, I really want to work in that, which by the way, I think most of the people at the company would say that it's a, it's a pretty important um, mission to be working on. You know, our investors are people who sit on the board of companies like SpaceX. I mean, we're working on important things here and the economy's efficiency is fuel to companies like SpaceX or biotech companies that are, you know, curing COVID and cancer and all sorts of things. Um, so if you like what you hear, we're hiring. Um, I think for founders, what's really important is to understand the facts on the ground. And so the reason we chose to make our analytics free, which by the way, I mean, there are, there are businesses that make similar analytics available for tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars per year is we think it's very important that every company knows what the facts are. So if you're a founder, there's no downside, come to capital, we'll give you a bunch of analytics. You can understand where your business stacks up relative to other companies and what you need to optimize and work on versus what you're already best in the world at. Um, so I would say, you know, we can, we can totally help, you know, by using a tool like capital and understanding your business transparently. That's actually what we can all do as a first step to make the economy more efficient because that empowers us to tell what's going on in the business to, to the investment community, which, you know, can include banks, it can include, include VCs, sovereign wealth funds, insurance companies, family offices, there's a whole bunch of stakeholders in our global capital markets. And if we can get really good at allocating our capital based off of the facts on the ground, you know, the right businesses will be funded in the right amounts, investors will get wonderful returns and we as a society will benefit. So that's, that's the second thing we need is, you know, come to, come to capital and let's create some financial transparency and analytics. And then for my last question, if someone wants to come to Capital and, and do what you just said, what's the, what, what's the website? How can they find you? Do you have social media? Do you have an email address? You know, how can someone get in touch and find you on the internet? So captech, C-A-P-T-E-C dot I-O is where you can find us on the internet. Um, and then where you can find me, I talk a lot about, you know, society and the economy and efficiency. It's at Blair Silverberg on Twitter. Cool. Well, this is an incredible vision, incredible company. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Soar, thanks again for coming onto the podcast and best of luck building this out. Of course. Thanks for having me.